We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sarah, former Tennessee Titans offensive lineman Taylor Lewin told Kay Adams, your buddy, on Thursday that he knows the formula. Quote, formula. That's to use the exact words that he used to stop Lamar Jackson. And he pointed to the 2019 divisional round game in order to prove his point. Oh, oh, he he doubled down on it when Ravens fans called him out. So we'll definitely get to that. And by the way, there is no formula for Patrick Mahomes, though, Bobby. Note that, according to Lewin. But also, Cam Newton, he struck a massive debate in Baltimore about Ray Lewis and Lamar Jackson, so we'll get into that a little bit later, too. Oh, we're closing in on quite a weekend. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside Sarah Ellison. It is Friday, January 26th. Our State of the Ravens is coming up in just a few hours at 12 noon, but this right now is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. So during Thursday's coordinator press conferences, Todd Munkin gave a hilarious answer to a question about in-game adjustments versus halftime adjustments. Very different there, Bobby. And then also Mike McDonald may just be more locked in than Lamar. Is that possible? I could see it based on his press conference from Thursday. Plus, we're going to catch you up to speed on both teams' injury reports, including what Marlon Humphrey shared about his calf and the NFL head coaching hiring cycle. Boy, it's making it seem more and more likely that John Harbaugh's staff could be still too early to have unwavering confidence, but honestly, could be intact past this season. We shall see, but we will have that and much, much more. So thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby, so... This is hilarious. You brought to my attention the most the most recent part of this, which is why I'm I'm a little bit amused by it. So uh, early on Thursday, uh, former Tennessee Titan offensive lineman, as we said, Tyler Lewin, he goes on to the K uh, up and K Adams up and Adams show, great show, and she's obviously asking what everybody's asking: who's going to win? What about this matchup between? Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, and this is what he has to say. Yes, the the Ravens are in, an incredible team, but there is a formula to beat Lamar, unfortunately, and it's making him go east to west and make him throw the football. With Pat, it's kind of like you plaster guys and keep dudes in coverage, and hope to God he you know you get to him with three or four, and and so 
it's it's a very it's a very difficult playing pat and and with if you have the uh, the right athletes uh from Kansas City which they they might they could you know you could neutralize Lamar Jackson a little bit more with that running capability all right so Bobby I saw that I tweeted it out and at the time of this recording it's at 800,000 views okay a lot of people saw it I have the caption as you can see here for the, the video uh, side of things, Taylor Lewin says that there's a formula to beating Lamar Jackson with Patrick Mahomes. You quote, hope to God. And so Ravens fans, we all know the background to this. This has been, we've literally been hearing about formulas and blueprints and since Lamar Jackson lost the Chargers his rookie year in the playoffs. It's blueprint this, formula that, and it just feels like such an old talking point. So, you know, I kind of thought to myself, maybe if it's like clipped funny, maybe it was, he's more just trying to say, Hey, because Lamar's a dual threat, it's kind of like, which one do you want to stop first? Maybe he let the word formula slip. Nope. So it, it just is such, <laughs> but it, oh, it's just so old, right? It's so old. No, they did not, he did not just let it slip because then he quote retweeted me as we can see up on the screen. And he says, any Ravens fans want to be mad at this, go ahead and look up the 2019. Bobby, what year is it? It is 2024. We're talking five years later. He's telling you, go to the formula in 2019 to the divisional game against for the Titans versus the Ravens. Then he says, the formula. If, if that's the formula... If it's been the same thing since 2019, why do the Ravens have the best rook record in football? Why did Vic Fangio just part ways with you know, part ways, you know, probably let go, but parted ways with the Dolphins after Lamar Jackson hung 56 up on them when Vic Fangio worked for the Ravens? He was a coach in Baltimore. Why didn't he just use this formula? Why didn't he just say, hey? Make him go east and west. I don't even know. Like I've never heard that one though. I will give him credit. That one's new. And just throw the ball. If that's if that's it, then why didn't Mike Vrabel, who was the head coach for the Titans in 2019, and beat Lamar? Why didn't he just use that same formula and then beat him in 2020? But yet Lamar Jackson came back and got his his. Or is that 2021? Lamar Jackson came back and got his his uh, playoff win. So. I don't know. I, this is this is funny. I don't know if if Taylor falls where a lot of other national people fall, where they just haven't been watching. But I I just hope everybody takes his advice. I hope the Chiefs take. I hope Spag, Spags keep, takes his advice and just make Lamar go east to west. Just do that, and you got it. So Taylor is in that Bill Polian camp. I think he's been listening to Sirius XM radio because <laughs> last week I'm listening to Bill, and of course. Bill is a former NFL executive, Pro Football Hall of Famer, somebody who may be more infamously than all of those things along the lines of his resume and track record, said that Lamar Jackson coming out of Louisville should transition to wide receiver. And while he has admitted his wrong, he's admitted that Lamar has become so much more than he ever thought he could, he still, for whatever reason, fails to truly embrace this next generation of quarterbacks that Lamar is is spearheading and, and in John Harbaugh's words, revolutionizing, right, from a dual threat standpoint. So literally just this week, he was asked by his co-host, 
how do you contain Lamar if you're the Chiefs? Well, for those of you who listened to what he had to say for the game plan that he advised the Houston Texans to use, it's almost a carbon copy. If they're going to have a chance, uh, and I'm putting my advanced scouts hat on right now, if they're going to have a chance, they have to be able to stop Lamar. And you have to stop Lamar's run. Now, that doesn't mean designed runs only. It means keeping him in the pocket, making him beat you from the pocket. Now, he may well do that because their receivers and their passing game is good enough to do that. And their protection is good enough to do that. Uh But if we're playing them, I'm going to say to the coaches, you have to keep Lamar in the pocket at all costs. And you've got to stop him from making big runs. Okay, so for those of you who didn't catch last week's, this was tame. This was tame compared to last week's. But you'll notice, what does he tout? He touts the receivers around Lamar, and he touts the passing game around Lamar. Not the key characteristics and traits under Todd Munkin that Lamar has taken so many incredible steps forward with using um, at his disposal, right? The creative freedom at the line of scrimmage, the autonomy, right? The um, the off-schedule, the off-platform throws, the creativity, the you name it, outside the numbers, right? deep ball game, even though that's been inconsistent throughout times this year, or at least in the first half of the year. Actually, it kind of was inconsistent throughout, whatever. So I don't understand it. I don't know why there can't be this general understanding that at this point in time, Mm. for a soon-to-be two-time MVP, it's truly pick your poison. And guess what? Mahomes in the same exact category. Well, yes, and that's what that's what and this is why Bobby to to change the the rhetoric of guys like Polian and Taylor um it is going to take a Super Bowl win to ch- and and maybe even then it won't it still won't be changed. And and here's the thing like in in if we were being completely honest, it, it, it it's it's like it's kind of like when you when when Roquan Smith says, "Hey, we have to make their offense one dimensional." That's what we try to do, and and in when you talk to John Harbaugh, it doesn't matter what team you have. And I remember when I was still working there, and John Eisenberg, because it's become such a passing a pass happy league. I remember my colleague John Eisenberg asking John Harbaugh, "Hey, because it's become become such a pass happy league." Is do you still go back to stop the run first, or now is it do you stop the pass first? And John was like, "No, we still stick with with stop the run first. That's always it. There's something about running over you that's demoralizing." Okay, and so so when when you're trying to decide, that, but 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 that's not what they're saying here. And, and given Bill Polian's background, it's hard to hear that from him. <laughs> If it was somebody who was being like, look, Lamar can throw. Lamar can throw and he can damage you. But even when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, it's Roquan Smith has said it on our show many times. Like when they went when we went up against the 49ers, I asked Roquan, I go, how do you stop all of these different weapons? And then I named them all off. And he said, You it's simple. You start with stopping the run. Yep. 
So there's something to a game plan, whether it's for Lamar and the quarterback himself or other teams, even with Patrick Mahomes. The formula is always stop the run first because as a defense, you feel demoralized when they their offensive line just runs you over and there's a running back. And then when it's Lamar, then if Lamar runs for 20, it energizes the offense even more. So, like, in general, if you're talking about in those terms, I'm okay with people saying, hey, first you have to stop Lamar from running because it's so demoralizing. Yes. But then you also have the problem <laughs> of his arm. But they're not saying it like that. That's not the way Taylor just said it. Taylor said, here's the formula. Well, guess what? That was more of a formula of how to beat Greg Roman's offense. That's a formula for Greg Roman. That's not a formula for Lamar Jackson as a whole, especially when he has an offensive coordinator that's empowering him to, to show his complete self. And so that's really the problem. I have no problem with the strategy itself. It's more this implication that's being said with these formulas and he can't be, be a quarterback and all of that. That's what they're really saying rather than showing the respect of a complete quarterback that he is. And Taylor's got some deep diving to do because the last time that he saw Lamar was in a Greg Roman-led offense. A lot has transpired <laughs> since, and you can clearly tell the people that have watched and the people that yep. haven't. Yep. Uh, CC Richard Sherman. What's really hard to watch is the way that Josh Allen is portrayed in the media or by the media compared to and when it comes to his postseason struggles, and he's had his fair share. Um, when it, but with keeping in mind from a cross comparison standpoint of what Lamar faced leading up to the divisional round weekend, and really since his last time in the playoffs. We knew it hadn't been good enough. We understood that. But we didn't understand why he didn't receive the same treatment that a Josh Allen did. Listen to Greg Olson. Think about the conversation right now with Josh Allen. I don't care what Josh Allen's playoff record is. If you have a brain and you watch that game the other night and you come across from that game that, oh, man, Josh Allen can't get over the hump. Josh Allen's owned by... You should have no, you should not be speaking on the matter. If you didn't watch that game and come across and say, Josh Allen is incredible. I don't care if he's, that record is not indicative of Josh. The guy's insane. The guy's amazing. Yeah, Mahomes, but Mahomes is also insane and amazing. But like, we want to pin the losses on Josh Allen, but we don't want to give the wins to Purdy. It, it just becomes a very <laughs> slippery slope. So the reason why I bring that up is, had Lamar put his best foot forward entering last weekend and postseason opportunities to date? No. But why didn't we appreciate, and when I say we, the media, why didn't they appreciate for what he was, for what he could be in the postseason, and for what he's still going to have opportunities to be in the postseason? This year is obviously Exhibit A for that. There's going to be hopefully many more as long as he is in Baltimore for the next five years like he is contractually obligated to be. So one of those classic nitpicks right there, but just well, the, the I, national media looks at these two quarterbacks very, very differently. I, I will, Well, I'll just say this, Bobby. I'm going to push back a tiny bit. I totally hear what you're saying, and I think there's some truth to that. That being said, it, it, and we do, we, I, and I do this too, where we lump national media all together. I don't know what Greg Olson has said about Lamar, so it's hard for me to compare Greg Olson to Craig, Greg Olson. But I will say this. Dan Orlovsky has gone really hard to bat for Josh Allen, and he's doing it based off of what he sees in the games. And he's done the same thing for Lamar, 
right? Like Dan Orlovsky, and he's pushed back to both Shannon and Stephen A. He's like, we all know the quote, like, watch the games. Like he's yes. saying, like, what, you know what I mean? So yeah. if Greg Olson himself is consistent, then I'm cool. If he does that for all quarterbacks, like, in, and like, like oh, I yeah. feel like Dan Orlovsky does. He's doing it for all of them. And I will also say the guys on first date, because I take, because I watched them the morning after, they all went after Josh Allen. Like Ryan Clark was like, look, at the end of the day, he didn't, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's easy to lump the national media and be like, oh, well, they all do this for, for, for Allen, but they don't do it for Lamar. And I would just say some of these guys are at least consistent. And I saw first take, first take going hard after, after Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. And just to be clear, yeah. I think Greg, I'm, I'm not, um, you're not bashing Greg. No, not at all. Yeah. I think he's he's just speaking on on the way that he's seen it portrayed. Yeah. And so he's speaking for, you know, in, in general terms as well. So but anyway. speaking, I agree. It's like nobody gives the con or fewer people give the context for Lamar, but they're all a lot oh, of them yeah. are giving context for Josh Allen. I got you. Oh there. Yeah. yeah. We know how it goes. So all right, let's transition to something that you found. And matter of fact, I have, let's see. So I this it. is yeah. I yeah. was gonna, I was gonna bring up the horizontal, but we got it vertical. So, so Cam Newton on his podcast, really interesting segment. If you guys want to go check it out, just kind of his perspective on Lamar, you know, as a as a former dual threat quarterback, one that was an MVP, oneer, right, one that played in a Super Bowl. I think his, he's got a offers a unique perspective for the way that he views Lamar. Uh, but I know the the one clip that you pulled definitely has a lot of people talking as it relates to the impact that Lamar has had. Uh, on the city of Baltimore now through six seasons and counting. And when you put it up against, you know, the GOAT 52 in Ray Lewis's case, some people want to play that comparison game. Yeah, so we'll play the clip. And then I definitely have some thoughts on it um, on, the, on the back end. Touchdown, Lamar! Listen, I was having a conversation by a native of Baltimore. He was like, Lamar Jackson means more to the city than Ray Lewis. And that's a bold statement. Bold. Lamar Jackson is that guy. But damn, when you think about it, this just shows your age. It's like, damn, over Ray? Are you, are you agreeing with it? I have to. I have to. There's not a more dynamic player in all of football than Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes, dynamic in his own right. Correct. A different dynamic. Mm-hmm. But electric. Virginia Tech, Michael Vick, mm -hmm. electric. That shit. That's Lamar Jackson. And he's becoming more vocal, too. Like, he didn't speak on it, so people just had their own perception of him. This is like the societal kind of crossroad. Uh -huh. We're not used to seeing a position played to look, feel, act, mm -hmm. stand on, culturally play like Lamar. They will want you to be on commercials. You can't name me a, a commercial that Lamar Jackson's on. You can't even probably name me an endorsement that Lamar Jackson has. Lamar Jackson is the epitome of keeping the main thing the main thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So uh, first things first, um, it's, I, I shared that clip on Twitter and it, it blew up even more than the Taylor Lewin stuff at the time of this recording. It's, it's got 1.1 million views. And I can tell you, Bobby, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments and I've read through many of them and it's kind of what you would expect. Um, a lot of people, no way it's Ray and, and, and other people are like, yes, it's Lamar. And, a lot of it is divided by generations, right? So uh, the younger generation is like, yeah, it's Lamar. But it's not only divided by that. I, I, there's also people who are in an older generation and hit to the point that Cam do that like societally he's saying or culturally, like it means so much uh, in, to the city of Baltimore. And, and, um, and then there was another group of people that were just bothered by the question. Like, why would you, why would you pit them against each other? Now I can see why anybody would look at it in any of those ways. Okay. Here's how I look at it. I love this conversation because of what it, what it really means to the Ravens in Baltimore. When, when Ray Lewis, I was working at the Ravens when Ray Lewis retired and then it was Ed Reed and you could feel Bobby like an air. It's almost like air leaving a ball. You can just hear it deflating. And it's like, there's never going to be another Ray. There's never going to be a Ray. And it's almost like, can the Ravens ever get back there again where they have a superstar? Okay. And here we are. The Ravens have a superstar. And he's so big that whether you agree that he's surpassed Ray or not, to me, is beside the point. To me, it's that holy crap. How lucky is Baltimore that you had a Ray Lewis who, when the Ravens were built in 1996 and people are like, who the heck are the Ravens? And what's that identity? Ray Lewis breathed life into that identity and he, and he's put together a foundation that was for the ages. And you kind of thought to yourself, you're never going to get that again. And now there's a Lamar Jackson who is at least in the conversation to be up there. To me, that's like a parent being like, uh, like uh, Bobby, w- once you have kids, you're going to each one of your kids at some point realizes that your their parents are mortal. And they think they're like, oh, crap, my mom or dad could die. And each one of my kids have been through that. And I have found that every time I need to talk to them, this is what brings them comfort. 
that I tell them, no, you need, if that were to happen, first of all, I'll be on the other side. I'll get things prepared. Don't you worry. Just like I had things prepared here for when you came to earth, I'll get you on the other side. Okay. That's number one. Number two, you go out and thrive because then that means the foundation I gave you meant nothing. And it was weak. You want your kids to go on and be bigger and better than you. If I were Ray Lewis, I'd be like, man, I laid this foundation. I didn't want it to go to waste. So now that there's a Lamar Jackson that can take the baton, I hope he's bigger than me because that because everything I put into this organization, he can carry on and then make it even better. So to me, that's why I like this conversation. A lot of people took it as a slight to one or the other. I mean, whatever. You don't have to choose one. You don't have to choose one. But this is amazing that Baltimore, the city of Baltimore, had a Ray Lewis. And a few years later, it took a minute, but a few years later, they now have a Lamar Jackson. How lucky are we in Baltimore? Oh, it's a great problem to have. Yeah. Of good points in there, too. Like, that is a great, great problem to have. Most franchises don't have that problem that they can try and wrestle with, which is what we're doing, right? And so, and then you think about, with all due respect to the linebacker position, there's not a, a, a more important position individually and what it means to the team collectively in professional sports than the quarterback. Hmm. And we know what that com- we know what comes with that. We know what comes with it from a media standpoint. We know what comes with it, the influence in a game and the way that you build a franchise. That is step number one. Got to get your head coach. Got to get your quarterback. Maybe, maybe vice versa in terms of order, depending on where you are. And so when you think about that Lamar is a quarterback versus a linebacker in, in Ray's case, there's just more visibility than come that comes with the QB position. My instant reaction to the question itself that was posed to Cam is that in order to be in that category, with respect to the difference in generations and what these two players mean to those respective generations and with respect to the cultural side of things, right? Lamar was not supposed to be here. For, for those of us who have followed him for as, as long as he's been here and learned about his his background and not having a father, right, and, and losing his father and, and, and humble beginnings, man, there is a cultural connection. There's no question about that. And people see him as somebody who made it out. And that is incredibly admirable. So with all of that aside, sp- specifically speaking to the question itself, my instant reaction was in order to be in Ray's category, you got to fulfill your promise that you made on draft night and bring a bowl to Baltimore. That was my instant reaction to it. Um, so you're, you're not alone. A lot of people said that. And for others, because of the cultural side, it doesn't matter. It's like yeah, he already, he already became a hall of fame for and me. all yeah. power to him. And that yeah. is fantastic. And for those people, I'm genuinely happy for them. I am yeah. literally genuinely happy for them because that's what he means. And he is Baltimore. Ray is Baltimore and Lamar is this generation's, um, you know, figure, right? He's an icon for Baltimore. And so when he, when he does fulfill that promise, Oh man, you think, you think he needs something to these people now? Oh goodness gracious. It's going to be taken to a whole new level. So that's kind of my take on it. All right. So should we move on to press conferences? Let's do it because coordinators spoke. John Harbaugh did as well. We'll have some injury updates coming up in just a little bit as well, but we'll begin with what I thought was kind of funny. Is Mike McDonald more locked in than Lamar? Like this dude, as you mentioned a few weeks ago, I thought it was a, an astute point. Like this is the time of year, right? Coaches are going to have scruff. Coaches aren't going to be sleeping very much. They're going to be hanging out, getting DoorDash or whatever they need in order to maximize on their preparation. And I just thought that this question posed by a reporter to Mike Mack off the top of his press conference just told it, it just gives such a great idea 
for where he's at right now, where his frame of mind is entering a massive weekend. Have you thought about the fact that you may be going against your old boss and sometime next season? And, uh, oh. No, I haven't, no. <laughs> I actually didn't even know what you're talking about as you're asking the question. <laughs> so, oh man, for the audio only folks. For the audio only folks, please come over to the YouTube space if you if you got because you got to see this. So Mike is processing the question, and and I believe Kevin Richardson asked it. He's referring to Jim Harbaugh, like his former boss at Michigan. Now he's going to be in the AFC, of course, with the Chargers, and they're going to see each other next year. And so Kevin starts with that, whereas like probably Mike's coming off. To, okay, this is like my twenty minute window where I get to step away from Kansas City, where I get to step away from containing Patrick Mahomes and trying to stop Travis Kelsey and all of the nightmares that come with that high-powered offense, right, which is sure it's been pedestrian at times this year, but whatever. And then to see it process in his mind is hysterical, and it just shows you that he is – that guy's buttoned up, man. You're he right. He's, up. he's definitely locked in. You know he's – all he's thinking about – Eating, sleeping, drinking, dreaming. It's Mahomes. It's Kelsey. It's Rasheed Rice. It's Andy Reid. It's all of that. That's like he's not even. He's like, oh, oh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh. Oh yeah, I, I forgot. He just got hired. <laughs> he probably one one little text, right? John Harbaugh did mention that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a bit in terms of his reaction. But I thought to what Todd Munkin had to say, and of course, it ended up being humorous as as usual. He's got that dry humor. This was more than dry, though. This was really good from him. So he was asked the question about, is it, is it more difficult to make in-game adjustments than halftime adjustments, being that the obvious. I mean, you're, you're in-game versus a time where you're all together for a quick little 15-minute break to catch your breath. Here's Todd's answer. And remember, this is coming off a game where they made significant halftime adjustments against the Texans. I don't even know what to say. I mean, when it works out like that, it's like, well, that was great halftime adjustments. I mean, I don't, I don't know. We just played better. You know, we just executed better. We got a few plays that kind of got us going. Momentum's a powerful thing. You know, when you're you're moving it, you're getting stops. You're making adjustments during the first half. Now, you are collectively as a staff talking through things, what you want to get to, what we haven't gotten to. That's a little easier um, to take a breath. But, I don't know, there's been – it wasn't like even in the second half that we weren't talking. Does that make sense? So, it's ongoing. Halftime's a part of it. What you do during the week's a big part of it. What you're doing during the game's a part of it. What you want to get to is a big part of it. Um, momentum's a big part of it. And um, like my wife says, I don't know why you just don't call the plays that work. Just seems that simple. I mean, just why would you call anything but the plays that work? I said, you're right, honey. As usual, you're right. <laughs> See, I, we said this in the pregame show. Like, it's adjustments are going to be massive because when I watch, whenever I watch the chiefs, they often seem like they get off to a slow start. And then it's just like the wheels are turning and they figure it out. They figure it out. They figure it out. And it can't be the Ravens can't be figured out. They have to do their own adjusting and figure them out back. That's it's going to have to happen. And, and, um, and hopefully they get to it sooner than later. Here's the injury report from Thursday, Mark Andrews, at the top of the list, having been a full participant Wednesday and Thursday, Marlon Humphrey with that calf. He's been limited all week, but he did tell reporter Sarah that the calf feels good. So perhaps heading towards potentially giving it a go. 
on Sunday. Delshawn Phillips with the shoulders been limited. Tylen Wallace after a DNP on Wednesday was limited. And Rocky Asin was the only Raven to have not practiced on Thursday with that knee. He was limited on Wednesday. So uh, specifically, obviously, the one to watch here, being that Mark has kind of been ramping up for well over a week at this point, would be Marlon. Yeah, and they they uh, cut uh, Jeremiah Moon from the 53-man roster. I'm sure he'll go back to the um, practice yep. squad. Uh, so that leaves a spot open, which there's there's Mark Andrews right there. And then also to Jeff Zrebeck's point, whose tweet we have up on the screen, uh, if you're willing to cut Jeremiah Moon, who's been a, a special teamer, uh, that probably means that Delshawn Phillips is going to be ready to return. So this is the time to be healthy, Bobby. And this is about as close to healthy that I've seen, seen the Ravens be all season. Oh, yeah, straight up. And then if you want the Kansas City perspective, Woo. a bunch of their guys took the – I know it still seems like a very long list, and it is. There's a lot of foals there. Yes, there are a lot of foals from a day ago, and it's looking just overall better for the Chiefs. Now, they have a vet in Joe Tooney, right? They're all pro mm. guard, who, who's very good in pass pro. He does it all. There's a significant drop-off in their backup at guard. So that'll be something to watch out. But what the thought is here is, is that Tooney is going to try and give it a go. He's just not going to practice that much this week. He's been a DNP Wednesday and Thursday, but you have some reports out there. You read the tea leaves. Okay. This guy's going to try and his absolute best to be out there. He's just not going to be very active. So we'll see what he does on Friday. We'll cover that uh, during our uh, state of the Ravens broadcast coming up later today at 12 noon Eastern. But as far as right now, you know, Pacheco takes a step forward. Even though he's he's uh he's he's been a DMP all week, the thought is like we heard from Bob Fesco that he's gonna he's gonna try and give it a go. You mentioned that during our, our game preview episode, so uh, okay, keep one, yeah, yeah, very good point. One other point I wanted to make about the Ravens before we move on real quick is I am going to be keeping uh an eye on Rocky Scene because Humphrey is still no guaranteed. He's only been limited, yes. and so when you have both Humphrey and Rocky Scene, I mean, I know you still have Darby and Stevens and and Mallette, but it's nice to rotate these guys, and so um, you hope that Humphrey or, or Rock will be ready to go. No doubt. No doubt. So I think this is a good transition to talk a little bit about the coaching hiring cycle right now because, mm -hmm. as we've discussed, a week ago, it sure seemed like, it, like there was zero chance that John Harbaugh's staff would be intact after this year. There's still – you never know. There's still a couple of vacancies that are out there for the taking. But holy crap, I mean, it's really ramped up this week. And now all of a sudden, at one point, there were seven or eight openings. Now at the head coach position across the league, there's only two. That's Seattle and that's Washington. As far as Mike McDonald's concerned, he's only been reached out to by the commanders, not Seattle yet. I confirmed that today. Not Seattle. Okay. So neither team is expected to hire anyone, according to Adam Schefter, until next week. This is after the Sunday conference championship games. Now, what's crazy, though, is that when you look at the available coaches who are still out there on the There's table. a lot. A, a lot as in, like, one, the greatest to ever do it in Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, Aaron Glenn, Ben Johnson, who seems to be Washington's top target based on reports, Anthony Weaver, who's the associate head coach to John Harbaugh and the D-line coach, Mike Mack, and, and several others, including Dan Quinn with the Cowboys. So – uh, this this is going to be – I'm telling you, it's, it's changing a lot. Yep. It's too soon, right? Seattle could still bring in Mike if they want to. But right now, between the two openings that are left, he's only heard from Washington. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's looking better for sure, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes because it's even if let's say the commanders had already decided on, on Mike Mack, you know, basically that they have like a hinge, like when would they announce that? Would they wait until, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that they would do it in the middle no of a divisional and AFC championship game. So anyway, you know me, I'm an optimistic person, but to when you optimism also comes with like planning for the worst. So, um, I, I'm optimistic that the Ravens could, could move forward if they lost Mike Mack as big of a, uh, a loss that would be. Uh, so I'm planning for the worst, but I will celebrate <laughs> if if the Ravens get to retain him. Keep watching Seattle. We'll see what Seattle's doing. They're, they've been very, very quiet with the way they're conducting business. The Chargers are bringing in, and this was on Thursday, Joe Ortiz had a busy week. He was actually in L.A. on Thursday for a second and his first in-person general manager interview. This is, again, with the L.A. Chargers. And it's just something to watch because of Jim Harbaugh being there. And clearly, the Harbaugh family is loyal to their people. I'm not saying Jim and Joe have ever worked together closely, but we know that Jim and John certainly have (laughs) traded different pieces along their staff over the years. So we'll have to watch this this closely. And um, Joe, as we talked about already, has been a lifetime Raven. He's been there his entire career, and it will be a big loss when he – when. It's not if. It's going to be when he gets his opportunity. I just don't know when. It, the last couple of years, he's gotten a bunch of different um, – not a bunch, but at least two or three different Oops. interviews of vacancies across the league. Yeah. Uh, what do we got here? The Ravens' defense has been pretty all right versus teams with a w- winning record. This is a PFF tweet. Uh, what do we got here, Bobby? 11.1%. TD drive percentage allowed first. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Spoiler alert. They're first across the, the every single category you're about to read. <laughs> 49 sacks first. 350 pressures first. 15 forced fumbles first. 74.9 passer rating allowed first. Woo! Unbelievable. Woo. I mean, this is, this is a group that, again, let's keep talking about the defenses because it is going to be a defensive showdown, you would think, Right between these two, first and second, respectively, league-wide between Baltimore and Kansas City. Some finalists here, assistant coach of the year, Okay, both Todd Munkin and Mike McDonald, according to the NFL National Honors Committee, are on this list. Other names, Kevin Stefanski, D'Amico Ryans, John Harbaugh is on for coach of the year. So, yeah, this is uh, crazy. A lot, A lot of, of love to Baltimore, man. No doubt. You no got doubt. your head coach, your defensive coordinator, your offensive go- coordinator, all top five this year at their positions. Yep. Wow. It was, and that's that's why it's so crazy, the fact that they could be retained. We'll see how things work out. MVP finalists, of course. Lamar is on this list along with Offensive Player of the Year. All of these will be announced at the NFL Honors. I believe that's coming up in early February applied, before the Super Bowl. I've applied for those credentials too, Bobby. Is that <laughs> right? I did, and I put both of our names down. We'll see if we get in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're just throwing things everywhere like, for us. Listen, if we're in Vegas, we're going to try everything. One thing, um, I would have liked to have seen Roquan Smith in the top five finalists of Defensive Player of the Year. I feel like he absolutely deserves it. I mean, this I just went through all the firsts that this defense is in. This defense is in the AFC Championship. This, de- this defense is um, has the best record in the league, and he's – He's the heart and soul of the defense right now. So I would have liked to have seen him there. Now, Zay Flowers, I was looking at their top five, and I'm like, whoo, that's tough to get Zay in there. But I will say this. I do want to give him a shout-out. He is off to a blazing start. 
He just has the hearts of everybody with that smile. And he very well could go down as the best drafted wide receiver in franchise history. And granted, there isn't a ton of competition, but for somebody of such a positive nature, and I mean, why not? Why not have have it be him? I think he basically would just have to pass Torrey Smith, who has a Super Bowl and and was good. Uh, but if if the Ravens are able to win it, then in his rookie year, Zay is already on his way to, to to taking that mantle. Well, statistically, no no other rookie Ravens wide receivers been more impactful than him, statistically yep. speaking. Yep. Yep. So, and he's, he's still got an opportunity to stack on that in the postseason. Exciting Absolutely. stuff. Mark Pankhurst recently upped his Patreon from general support, the 199 tier, to the 499 tier for a monthly shout out. So here it is. Shout out, Mark. We appreciate you for believing in us. Thank you for the support through Patreon. If you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast to learn more about what we're offering here this month inside the channel. So again, coming up later today, depending on when you're watching this. January 26th, uh, noon Eastern, 12 to 2, Femi Ayambadejo, Ken McCusick, Rita Hubbard, Amber Theo Harris, um, gosh, a couple others as well are going to be dropping by for a mini State of the Ravens from 12 to 2. Looking forward to that. And then from 6 to 8, I'm going to be at Twain's Tavern in Pasadena. Would love for you to come out. Ben Cleveland will be there. Ed Dixon will be there. Arthur Jones and several other guests. So uh, jam-packed weekend, partner. Looking forward to tackling it with you. And here's to two more weeks of coverage in terms of just the insanity that we're on right now, news cycle-wise. So uh, going to be a good one. We'll have our pregame show. I will have my our, our pregame show that uh, uh, is, is from Be More Around Town from 12 up until kickoff. And you and I will tag team as we always do in our postgame live stream after press conferences. So anything more before we jump? No, sir. Thank you all. I'm Bobby Trossett for Sarah Ellison. Appreciate you guys. We will talk to you later today for our State of the Ravens broadcast. Glad you've been with us all week.